0: For Thursday, November fifteenth, twenty eighteen. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway stars James Marino. James, we didn't think we were going to be recording on Wednesday night, but here we are. You got back from American Sun earlier than you anticipated, so we are recording on a Wednesday night, not Thursday morning. So how was American Sun?
1: Um American Sun very stressful play to watch.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. A very
1: stressful play to watch. So I'm still processing it because I'm just out of the theater uh, an yeah. hour or so. Um, a very, very stressful play to watch. Um, still, uh, I thought that it was it was good. And uh, Stephen Pasquale and Kerry Washington, uh, great. Uh, you know, it was an amazing cast. Um, so uh, Jeremy Jordan had a. Uh, major part in it as w- this gentleman, Eugene Lee. and I, I hear he steals Eugene it. Yeah. Eugene Lee steals the show. Just, just great. That's so, awesome. anyway, so I'm sure we'll talk about it with the people who are smarter than I, or <laughs> as we know them as uh, Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier on this week on Broadway on Sunday. So, uh, I'll table Very this cool. for now.
0: Sounds good. One other thing I want to mention before we get into the show proper tonight on Broadway at the Long Acre Theater, the new musical, The Prom, will officially open. We will talk about the reviews on tomorrow's episode, but the show is directed by Casey Nicola and features such Broadway stars as Brooks Ashmanskis. Tony winner, Beth level, uh, two time Tony nominee, uh, Christopher Sieber, um, Caitlin uh, Canoonen and a number of other folks. Um, This one is one of those shows. It's 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 a little engine that could. James, the word of mouth is fantastic from everybody who's seen it, but it's struggling a little bit now. So I'm hoping that these reviews tomorrow night are or tonight actually um, are really good and can kind of give a little boost because it seems like a, a fun show, the type of show that Broadway needs right now.
1: With that sort of a kiss doesn't sound like it's going to be very funny.
0: You know? Yeah. yeah they're, they're terrible, terrible <laughs> comedic actors, not a funny bone in not their bodies. A funny bone in their bodies.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, we have to talk about Beth Level
1: Anyway, so yeah. uh, first up in the news, critics weigh in on Town* in London.
0: Yes, the show opened earlier this week at the National Theatre. It's the third production of the show, following runs at the New York Theatre Workshop and the Citadel Theatre in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Not Toronto. But the—but uh, this is the first production that is officially billing itself as pre-Broadway. The show is by Aeneas Mitchell and is directed by Rebecca Tashman, starring Patrick Page, Amber Gray, Eva Noblezada, Reeve Carney, Andre DeShields, and more. Now, James... I initially, when they announced this cast, predicted that it would sweep into Broadway late in the spring and win a bunch of awards. I am not backtracking on that, but I am a little less confident that it's going to come in this spring. Now, just because like we talked about on on Tuesday's episode, there's no theaters. I assumed that something was going to be closing in January and that we have a few more open houses for the spring by now. But at this point, we really don't have anything available um, So for, for this spring. So we'll just have to wait and see. Although these reviews are really good. They're not uniformly the raves that Company got. But they're, they're as close as I think you're going to get for this type of musical, which can probably be pretty divisive, um, especially – to a London audience that might have a somewhat different sensibilities than they would in New York. All right. So let's start with the uh, reviews. Let's go first to Andres Lukowski from timeout London, who gave the show four out of five stars writing quote, town is not perfect. But it is really, really good. The wonderfully diverse songs of Mitchell's expanded, virtually sung through soundtrack, are the bedrock. From the demonic trombone riff that powers Opener Road to Hell, through Hades' centurion authoritarian anthem, Why We Build the Wall, to the graceful encore some two and a half hours later, it is a musically thrilling, lyrically eccentric articulation of the Orpheus and Eurydice myth that has gratifying little to do with Musical Theater Convention. Uh, Henry Hitchings, not Henry Higgins, from The Evening Standard said, With its emphasis on mood rather than action, this is the sort of show that risks being labeled portentous, but it's tightly choreographed and genuinely inventive, sometimes operatic, sometimes bluesy. It manages to sound seductively hushed one moment and rollicking the next. Next up, while discussing the principal cast, Quentin Letts of the Daily Mail Describes one of the actors in a way that I honestly don't know what it means. I don't think it's good, but maybe uh, John Schwab or somebody from London can uh, clue me in on what this specific British idiom means. But he says, quote, Mr. Carney's Orpheus is a wet little Herbert. I have no idea what that means, but he hits his high notes impressively. Let's continues. Miss Noblezada is delightful until she strives for volume when her soprano turns nasally. Amber Gray is easier on the ear as Hades on off consort Persephone. The show is partly narrated by Hermes, a hammy turn from Andre De Shields. Despite a certain level of nonsense to it all, I enjoyed the show. It trots along and has a handsome swagger. Um, Tim Banno from the stage also praises Andre de Shields uh, as Hermes, calling him the epitome of cool with hints of mischief. Uh, James, we also saw a ton of of. Uh, positive reviews for Patrick Page, Michael Billington of The Guardian said, quote, the standout performance comes from Patrick Page, who, as Hades, has a voice that seems to issue appropriately from the depths. So, uh, James, for the most part, really, really strong reviews. I I think they probably were hoping for something a little bit more on the unanimous rave side, but these are, I think, really good from London critics of this fairly non-traditional British musical. Uh I don't know if I call it a British musical. Like what if... No, what I mean is that it's the um this is not the type of show that tends to do well in oh, London, I okay. guess is what I meant.
1: Okay. So yeah, and uh, I think that uh I don't want to go out uh, you know, again and jinx anything, but I think that Hades Town right now is a free chain rolling down a mountain and there's no stopping it no matter what happens to it. I think that it's
0: it's coming. I, I hope it. I hope it finds a place to come. Uh, that's my only concern. So, Patrick uh,
1: Patrick Page posted this thing on Facebook that was just awesome. Uh, his posting was: "All the dressing room is the National Theatre of Great Britain, look out on a courtyard. There are at least three shows running at once. When a show opens, this ritual happens at places called." All the actors in every show celebrate those who are opening, and the video is of all the actors come to the—you could look out in the courtyard and see all the windows to all the dressing rooms on four sides, and they all bang on the windows and cheer, It almost oh, like, cool. like a, a prison— <laughs> some sort okay. of prison block type of thing, you know what I'm saying? But it's a, it's a cool cool video. It's such a awesome. interesting insight and uh, Godspeed to Hades Town. Can you say Godspeed to Hades Town?
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean it's a show that includes a <laughs> god, so I mean the god of the
1: underworld, so sure. Why not? And uh so and uh, some of the uh, pictures from Hades Town uh, have uh Patrick with a uh a uh, uh, quote unquote a nice, sli- a sleeve. Sleeve. Uh, he's got a sleeve. Yeah, he's got a sleeve. And so, uh, and I'm I'm wondering, is that makeup or is that is that is that actual tattoo? So we'll have so, to yeah.
0: call it a sleeve an tattoo. Yeah, yeah, not just like a sleeve on his arm, but a sleeve tattoo. I yeah. would imagine that it's it's either makeup or something that. Um, yeah,
1: I was thinking it was makeup, but it, it's so good and detailed, and area yeah. it just doesn't look like it. You know, whatever. Well, we'll have to call Patrick up and see how he's doing and uh, and and t- chat with him about this. All right. Next up, West End Kinky Boots to be filmed for worldwide screening.
0: Yes. Yesterday it was announced that the West End production of Kinky Boots will be filmed later this month for an eventual worldwide screening. Original London stars Killian Donnelly and Matt Henry will return from Monday, November 26th through the 28th, specifically for the filming dates. Both were Olivier nominated as Charlie and Lola, respectively, and Henry took home the Best Actor in a Musical Award as Lola. James, I think the timing of this is super obvious with the Broadway production closing in April. Um, I'm a little disappointed that they are filming the London in production and not the Broadway one, obviously – the show is pretty much going to be the exact same. Um, I just I know that there's a lot of members of the Broadway company who are still with it that have been involved with the show from the very beginning. So I kind of if they are filming it, I kind of wish they could be involved with it. But I understand that the economics of this, as we've talked about before, probably make it more cost efficient to do in London and than in New York. But either way, I'm just very, very happy that this one will be preserved one way or another. I have a feeling that once it is opened up to regional theater productions it's still touring I think non-equity now but once regional theaters are able to do this I think we're going to still be seeing it um, quite a bit across the country but having it uh, on streaming service of some sort should be really really cool for the uh, for the longevity of this very important message and show
1: you know I, I was hoping that one Selena Carvajal would get back into the show but it uh,
0: does, doesn't look like that's going to happen I, I, yeah I think she might have passed, uh, yeah. passed Nicola by at this point <laughs> okay
1: Next up, uh, Equity launches a campaign to address concerns over developmental labs.
0: Is this – I I feel like this is Groundhog Day. No. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, But, yeah, James, I had this for yesterday's show, but I wanted to save it because I wanted to discuss it with you rather than me just going off on my own. But – The latest campaign from Actors' Equity Association, the labor union for stage actors and stage managers, kicked off this week in an effort to raise the minimum salary, amongst other other things, for union members participating in developmental labs for shows. Now, for those who aren't exactly sure what a lab is, especially versus a workshop, labs essentially are the exact same thing as a workshop in practice. You basically are doing the same thing. But the difference comes in how the performer and the stage managers are compensated. On a lab contract, equity members um, are paid a minimum of $1,000 per week and labs are usually about a month long. Same thing with workshops, give or take, depending on the days, whatever. On workshop contracts, however, union members are paid less depending on how many days, somewhere in the six to $700 range depending on the contract. But on the workshop workshop contract – the the artists uh, participate in profit sharing for the future life of the show meaning that everyone in that collection of union members will split anywhere from one to one and a half percent of profits from future productions of the show now equity no longer makes their contracts public on their website they used to be able you used to be able to go to, to equity's website and see them you can't anymore so i'm pulling these numbers from various media reports and there's a little bit of discrepancy so take those numbers with a grain of salt But they're probably pretty darn close. Now, the workshop contract goes back to Michael Bennett, who pushed for this contract uh, following the developmental sessions of, of the show that became a chorus line. However, since then, producers not wanting to give up any of the profits for shows that eventually get to be as big as a chorus line negotiated the lab contract 11 years ago. So equity's position now essentially is that the one thousand dollars per week lab salary has been unchanged since the inception of the contract in 2017. And they want to address that the union union. Also stated in a press release this week that they are seeking a new agreement to quote that, quote, improves the weekly salaries, which we talked about, but also recognizes creative contributions and includes profit participation. That's the thing that is they're currently getting workshops and puts an end to the days when the lab agreement was abused and used as a substitute for rehearsal time that belongs in a production contract. Now, James, the first few points of that I think are pretty obvious and they're understandable as what you would expect a union to push for. But it's that last point that I think is a bit subtler um, for folks who might not pay super close attention to developmental process. Equity's argument here is that producers are taking, taking advantage of this rule and having labs that are not actually working on developing the property, but are instead rehearsing what is a finished version for an eventual production. It's a subtle difference from the outside, but when you think about it, that the lab minimum is $1,000, that's less than half of what those artists would be paid for rehearsal time and performances on a production contract. So by doing labs that are actually doubling as rehearsals, producers are skimming a lot of money that should be going to the artists. Now, James, we've seen many a producer hold labs for shows that have had extensive development and out-of-town tryouts before a Broadway run, not to mention revivals of shows having labs, which really seems to be a blatant abuse of that system. Now, um, as is often the case, James, I am almost completely on the side of equity on the merits of their argument. But the one caveat I'll have on that is that. Again, which is often the case with how they do things, the way that they are approaching it kind of rubs me the wrong way. It almost feels beneath equity as an organization and its members. They are using hashtag not a lab rat, which is clever, I suppose. But to me, seems to undermine the legitimacy of their point and kind of makes it seem flippant. And and I I don't know. I I just don't I don't like that. But the argument, I completely understand you would expect uh, you know, just a cost of living increase over eleven years, but that's not there. But anyway, I've babbled on long about enough about this, James. So, what do you think about this whole thing? Uh,
1: yeah, it's so hard when you're hearing just bits and pieces of the negotiation. It, it seems, it seems like we're missing something here, and that, I, uh, and uh, I, I jokingly talked about Groundhog today, but didn't. Wasn't this just reworked out last year uh, with the uh, the Hamilton folks, and uh, I thought that this was all relooked at, or if it wasn't and it was just a Hamilton agreement, maybe yes. a Hamilton agreement could be used as the basis going forward, it, it, they could find out. You know how that worked out with the Hamilton structure and e- every single show is is so dramatically different in the way in which the pieces all fit together. I'm not sure if that that could actually be, but I don't know it just it seems bad form to negotiate in public uh in, unless you're you're beyond the point where the two sides can't agree on anything
0: yeah the Hamilton thing happened in twenty sixteen and it, it they basically. I mean, effectively resorted to a workshop agreement. Obviously, everybody was paid the lab agreement uh, salary when they were going through that process, but they did agree to participate in profit sharing for them. Uh, Frozen also did the same thing. They were on a lab contract with Disney Theatrical. They voluntarily um, decided to give the people who had been involved with that process Part of the profits of that one or one and a half percent, whatever it was, but it was not uniform. This is, but in terms of the way they're negotiating in public, is also similar to the Off Broadway contract uh, negotiations that they've had in the in the last year or so. So I definitely understand what you're saying there. It does, like you said, it seems like something's missing. Um, it could be that they've tried to have these negotiations with producer, with producers and and different people and haven't gotten anywhere. So that very well might be it, but it does seem like a a pretty big thing to do without that background of knowing why this hasn't been done behind the scenes.
1: Yeah. uh, I I saw, you know, the first time it really popped up on my radar screen the last couple of days was uh, Stephen Pasquale had, uh, had tweeted about it uh, yesterday, the day before. uh, And, so maybe this has been ongoing for a while it's just been out of sight out of mind but uh i, I, I definitely if the producers are using a contract to manipulate the system then that's got to be stopped but uh but certainly uh the the developmental contract is meant uh you know to be a collaborative tool and let's see how that goes. All right. Um, what else do we have to talk about today?
0: All right. Yesterday, the Astoria Arts Center announced this 2018-2019 season featuring a benefit concert of Luna Park, a new musical, and two main stage productions, the New York premiere of Queen and the Tony-nominated musical or Change. The Luna Park concert will be on December 1st and 2nd at the Ryle Dance Center. Then from January 31st through February 16th, the New York premiere of Queen by Madhuri Shakar will be presented at the uh, uh, the Boys and Girls Club of Queens in Astoria. And then why I wanted to talk about the story is that finally in May, Carolina Change uh, will come to the Boys and Girls Club. But James, we've heard a lot of rumors recently about Carolina Change, which is having a lot of success in London, potentially making a Broadway transfer this era of our, you know, zeitgeist in uh, political and popular culture seems like it would do very well for Carolina or change. But do you think that a professional production in one of the five boroughs six, seven months from now means that a Broadway transfer is unlikely anytime soon?
1: No, uh, I don't think that uh, that that there's any effect between that and a Broadway production. Uh, I know Adam Feldman posted that uh, he really hoped that we would have a Broadway production and this would would, uh, raise the awareness of the show and
0: how good it is. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, moving on. Next up, yesterday the Signature Theater announced that the Michael C. Hall-led production of Will Eno's Tom Payne based on nothing has been extended for a second time. The show will now play through December 9th. And finally, James, honestly, one of the most exciting pieces of theatrical news that I have heard in many a week. Yesterday, it was announced that Emmy-nominated writer and actor Phoebe Waller-Bridge will bring her acclaimed one-woman show Fleabag to New York next spring. The show will play the Soho Playhouse for a strictly limited five-week engagement from February 28th through April 7th. Anyone over at BBB, if you're listening right now, you're doing the press, let me know. I want to see this show and I want to interview Miss Waller-Bridge afterwards. I am a gigantic fan. Um, although I'm probably going to end up buying tickets today anyway. Um, any, but the tickets are on sale now, but don't buy them until I have a chance to. The show, which is directed by Waller Bridges longtime collaborator Vicky Jones, started at the 2013 Edinburgh Fringe Festival and then had runs in London and around the world before and after it became a hit six episode BBC television show, which also aired on Amazon Prime. Uh, Waller Bridge actually won a BAFTA award for it. This show is the complete antithesis of everything that I like in my popular culture and TV, but I watched it on on Amazon Prime and loved every single second of it. It is perfection. Uh, Season or series uh, two, whichever side of the ocean you're on, is planned for next year. Waller Bridge also created and wrote the Emmy-nominated BBC America show Killing Eve, which stars Sandra Oh. She was also in the movies Goodbye Christopher Robin and voiced the lando calrissian android uh navigator and potential love interest l3 in solo earlier this year so anyway <laughs> it's a limited run i highly highly recommend checking it out as long as i can still get tickets so i'm very excited for fleabag at soho playhouse
1: <laughs> you don't think uh solo is gonna ever make the jump to the broadway stage do you uh,
0: no <laughs> no we've seen too many weird things do that but no <laughs> all right matt why don't you get us out of here all right thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook and twitter at broadway radio and you can find me on twitter and instagram at bww matt and my name is james marino from
1: broadwayradio.com and broadwaystars.com thanks for spending some of your thursday with us and matt and i'll come back and chat with you tomorrow